If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. You've probably been living in a hole if you haven't heard of the recent Me Too movement. Hashtag Me Too has been all over social media. I mean, on television, everything. And honestly, I think for 15 years, I've been talking about Me Too ever since that camp when I was younger. And I realized that I wasn't the only one when I spoke out for the first time and shared my story. And all these other peers of mine were coming forward with their stories too, saying Me Too. And and even in the last 15 years of being a speaker and being on stage, I step off and so many times a sexual abuse survivor doesn't find the courage to actually talk about what they've been through, but simply will just squeeze my hand as they walk past and and they'll just say me too. I mean, this mm-hmm. me too phenomenon has been in my world since the very beginning of my work in breaking the silence on sexual abuse. And so it's really cool to watch it now, 15 years later, um, really becoming a movement, not in just the places that I might be, but in Hollywood. I mean, we're seeing time and time again of people. Politicians. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all over the place. and um, Churches mm-hmm. and every nook and cranny. And I feel like I'm seeing now a day in history that I'd only dreamed of when I first started speaking out at 21 years old. And I honestly didn't think I would even see it in my lifetime. I mean, that was the hope and that's the dream. And I would love to not have a job one day because we all have found our voices and abusers are not existent anymore. But that's probably not even reality either. But we're getting there. You know, I woke up a couple mornings ago and I saw a headline from the New York Times that said, for perhaps the first time in history, powerful men are falling like dominoes and vulnerable women are being believed. And I felt like, oh, I I'm living in a dream world like this is exactly what I've been fighting for. And I think what so many other survivor friends of mine have dreamed of. And and I'm just glad to see it's finally coming to light because amidst all the darkness and all the pain, that light and hope is finally beginning to surface. Mm -hmm. And many stories are coming forward that have been in the hiding for so long. And I know many of our listeners you know, have have found their voices and are working through their healing journey. But I mean, let's just be honest. So many of, of you are, are listening today because you've not found your voice. You've never been able to tell anyone because you didn't have that safe place to talk. And we always are pushing RAIN, Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network's national hotline. And they also have the online hotline where you can go and confidentially share your story for the first time with advocates who will listen and and connect you to places uh, for healing. But it's interesting. I also saw a headline this past week that rape crisis centers, their call lines have been surging mm-hmm. this month. Yeah, And obviously that's awful to know the numbers of sex crimes that are happening, but it's also hopeful. I mean, it's hopeful for me just to see people finding their voice. And I feel like at this point in time, there's a lot going on in the workplace. We're seeing so many stories come out. Um, you know, the, the Matt Lauer story, just lots of sexual harassment happening in the workplace under powerful men. And it seems to me that a lot of people are shocked by the breadth of that, at how widely this sexual harassment is 
is reaching across every single industry, yeah, all workplaces. But I also think a lot of us are are surprised that men are finally getting fired for it too. Well, it's been going on for years and years and years. And to finally see this shift, mm-hmm. I mean, our culture shift that's mm-hmm. happening now, mm-hmm. and it's incredible to see justice and hope and like you said bringing it out into the light that boy is long overdue (laughs) right the sad part about it though mary for me is and i even tweeted this the other day i'm I'm just been scratching my head for days at how it seems like hollywood and the media seems to hold a higher standard than other places like let's say the white house don't get me started yeah but also (laughs) even in churches in that from day one of One Voice being started has been my passion to get churches to wake up and for leadership to get their heads out of the sand and address this issue of sexual abuse in the church. So we don't only have this hashtag me too moment, but we're also seeing um, what was started in the past month, which was hashtag church too. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I really was paying attention to this because it's such a a problem in in our churches and sexual abuse is so hidden. And I know we had um, Boz on from Grace uh, a few podcasts ago, and he had so much to say about sexual abuse in the church and just the need to come along survivors and, and hold perpetrators accountable. But this is exactly what this is an attention I think that the church has needed. It's sad, and I know a lot of people want to protect the church, but I think the reality is is when we have things like sexual abuse happening within the church walls, we have to wake up to that reality. It's a systemic reality that's destroying lives, and it's finally getting the attention that it's needed for far too long because the message that I've heard over and over and over again from survivors who've been sexually abused in the church is that the reputation and the preservation of their church or their community leader that abused them was more important than their healing and their justice. And so, you know, I believe that as a church, we have to do better. We have to demand better that in the church need to be weeping over these stories that are coming out and not covering it up, not Mm -hmm. minimizing it, not defending it or whatever. I know that Jesus weeps over these stories and abuse of power, especially within the church, is a direct opposition to the love of God. And if we are to be an example of the love of God, then we have to be willing to not only hear these stories, but stand up to those who are committing these crimes. And speaking of crimes, isn't it so annoying how people are calling this stuff inappropriate behavior? Yeah. Like, come on. And so many headlines or are people defending, you know, politicians? Well, you know, this or that or I mean, this stuff is is a crime. It's actually criminal behavior. It's not, you know, bad manners, bad decisions. Right. Well, I think because so many people's lives are drastically changed after allegations come out that they want to kind of tiptoe around it and, whoa, let's slow down a little Mm -hmm. bit and ease into it because they're almost in denial. And for us survivors, we're pissed off. And we're like, no, call it what it Mm -hmm. is. Exactly. Sexual assault is a crime. It is a criminal act. And people who do it are criminals. We're clearly still living in the midst of a rape culture society when you think about the way that people minimize or defend abusers or you know try to write off their behavior as simply inappropriate or something like that um and i also i remember back to just a couple speaking engagements ago mary we were 
out of college and we'd finished our speaking engagement. We did a Q&A and then there was a professor who came and asked if he could have a couple minutes of my time after we were finished. And, you know, when we're done, we're ready to get we're out of tired. there. We're <laughs> tired. I need sweatpants. It's exhausting. <laughs> but, of course, yeah, like, let's talk. So it was just he and I kind of off to the side. And, and you were there. And then another one of their staff members were there, yeah. too, kind of listening. And he was just asking, okay, sure, I understand that when a sexual assault happens and the female is drinking, it's not her fault. But when do we get to a point where we can talk to her about her choices mm-hmm. you remember that oh yeah as soon as he said but yeah i knew it was going to be bad <laughs> and you probably saw my hair catch on fire oh yeah just both of our body language i mean you could read everything yeah. because just that whole mindset of putting it back the blame back on the victim it just makes me want to throw up yeah yeah and it did me too and i hopefully i handled it gracefully but it does frustrate me to no end that we still have to think about that like why can't we just hold people accountable why can't we expect other people not to sexually assault others like when are we going to get to that point when we're not talking about victims making the right choices and putting themselves in harm's way or asking for it because of the things that they wore or said or did or or how much they drank. It's just we have a long ways to go. And um, I don't know if he understood it or not, but I came on pretty strong. (laughs) Well, I think he didn't get in that moment, but I'm hoping that it kind of sunk in a little bit later on. I think also we need to address leaders who feel the need to preach to victims rather than listen to their stories so many times especially in these church two stories i'm reading about you know pastors or so-called mentors or counselors or professors who hear a survivor's story and they feel like they need to talk to them directly just like this professor would have would talk to the victim about, well, what did you do to put yourself in this situation? It's not your fault, but what could you have done differently? And Mm -hmm. to me, it's just, we can't, we can't go there. That's so dehumanizing to, especially a victim of sexual assault. It's not a Jesus message. When I picture Jesus hearing these stories, he is never preaching to someone who's just been victimized. He is listening and loving them through that. And so I want to give props to the pastors who over the last few weekends were acknowledging these stories from stage, who were calling out abusive power and the issue of sexual abuse from the pulpit and who are caring for the hearts of victims right now who are being especially triggered by these stories. You know, I know, Mary, you and I have talked a lot in the past few weeks of how this is so exciting to see this movement and to see so many voices being unearthed, but at the same time, for those of us who've been victimized, we're triggered by these stories too. It's a struggle. Yeah. Just uh, that balance. It's almost like you can't get away from it because when we're just, you know, traveling and speaking that we're sharing our stories and then we can kind of walk off stage and go hide for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but this stuff is everywhere around us. So you really have to make sure uh, if you need to step away that you're not on social media, you're not listening to the news or whatever it is that you need to do to just protect your heart and your mind. Mm-hmm, that's really good. Self-care, I think, is just going to be really important right now. We have to keep caring for ourselves, but keep cheering for those whose stories yeah. are coming out. 
it's kind of like we've come this far, so we can't give up now. You yeah. know, we have to keep fighting. We have to keep this movement rolling forward. And honestly, the timing of it is interesting. We're moving into the holidays. You know, we're in between Thanksgiving, Christmas. That's an interesting time for survivors because it's very hard already. You know, last year, this time we did two podcasts on holiday survival And those are some of the most popular podcasts that we did. And I think it's just important to know different little snippets, you know, to get you through. But right now, with this being the top of the headlines, it's going to be conversations at our dinner table with family that maybe knew about your abuse and didn't do anything. Or, you know, maybe they even your abusers will be there. So approaching family gatherings always is hard for us and protecting yourself and knowing good self-care. But right now with all this in the headlines, I think it's, it's even more difficult. And so how do we approach people with this at the top of the, of so many people's minds, you know, on the front page of our newspapers, how do we engage in those tough conversations when you're overhearing someone in your family defending you know someone that just got accused Mm -mm. you know what do you do so and it's interesting timing too because (laughs) mary and i were just speaking in new jersey we finished talking at a sex crimes conference sharing our stories it was you know long day draining yeah Yeah. we're talking about hard things and calling people to step up then we're this is our downtime grabbing lunch before you know during the break and we overhear a conversation. So picture this, just finished speaking. We're done. We're off the stage. We're sitting down at, at lunch of the hotel restaurant. It's just Mary and I in the entire restaurant. Then suddenly 15 businessmen walk in and sit down at a table right next to us. And they're loud and doing their thing or whatever. But we're, you know, we're engaged in our own conversation talking about how wonderful the conference was. But I started overhearing some stuff. So I was like, Mary, shut up. Stop talking. (laughs) It's time to listen. So we did. And the head of the table, this man, you know, well-dressed and nice suit, begins describing, talking to the other guys about this Me Too movement and and the headlines that they heard and, and all these things. And that becomes their topic of conversation. And so... That's when Mary and I are just totally tuned in. But the head of the table, who ended up being the, what he was like the president of like a law firm. Yeah, he was one of the leaders at a a local major law firm. Mm -hmm. He starts describing to the other guys a, a story that he was involved in. He said that when there's a female coworker at his law firm wearing a short skirt, talking to him from a desk, he said, you can't expect to put bloody meat in the water and not expect sharks to go after it. And their table was roaring with laughter. Meanwhile, ours, I think, caught on fire because we were so angry. <laughs> and of course we were mad, you know, and, and Mary says to me, how can we just talk about this stuff from stage and then not call it, call it out in day-to-day situations? And so we sat there. <laughs> And we were just trying to figure out how do you actually do that? You know, in a real life conversation, two women, 15 men. Complete strangers. Yes. And obviously, you know, they were all holding powerful positions. You know, you could just tell by the way they're dressed, the way that they were talking. Yeah. And so it was quite intimidating. But you're right. You said we cannot walk out of here. 
oh, I said, who like who are we at the core mm-hmm. and looking at integrity? If we stand on stage and talk about stuff like that and then we're not willing to step up and mm-hmm. call it out when we're telling other people to do it, right. hypocrites. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. It's go time. <laughs> and we're sitting there talking for probably 15 minutes, it felt like. And do we write a note on the it napkin? It was probably more like five. <laughs> it felt like forever. <laughs> yeah, it and finally, I had an out-of-body experience. I just remember pushing the chair out, standing up, walking towards him and thinking, it's go time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I knew you were going to do it well to where it wasn't like a male bashing kind of a thing. Right. Because, you know, we had talked about pulling him aside out of the group, you know, and that's exactly what you did. And I thought that it took a lot of boldness, but you're also very careful and you were considerate of the situation. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you weren't just going to immediately go into it. You know, guns blazing, blazing. But I wanted to, though. Yeah, and you know you my did. personality and the anger, like, I'm not joking that my entire back was on fire because I was so angry, Mm -hmm. but I knew that wasn't going to go very far with him. So I had to rein it in Mm -hmm. and collect my thoughts and simmer down a little bit to deliver the message in a powerful, stern way. But yet walking through the process of how and why it was inappropriate and unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Well, and then that's what calls the other side to the table for their answer. Because if you went in there walking into a fight, he was immediately going to fight back and Absolutely. wouldn't have even heard your words. Right. And that's a lot of times I think what guys like that expect from women like mm-hmm. us. And so I think you're actually asking him to think about what he's saying. Think about what he's doing and by your approach. Yeah. I think it was done so extremely well. And yeah, I think it, it's normal to be you know as bold and brave as you are mary you still admit you were terrified you said do i have pee coming down my leg right now because (laughs) basically (sighs) that's how you felt in that moment but we have to do things afraid my heart was coming out of my chest my palms are sweaty i have never been okay maybe only a couple times that afraid in my life but i knew i gotta show up and just let it come out and then i would walk away not regretting missing Mm -hmm. that opportunity to educate someone that's exactly right if we want to see this culture change when it comes to the way that you know locker room talk is happening yeah we have to have these hard conversations and we can't just let it fly let it go minimize it you know because that he's impacting 14 other guys who are under him and now if they come to that same belief now we have a potential of 15 abusers people that are harassing women in their workplace and thinking that it's okay well and that's what was interesting in the conversation as he's defending and making excuses he had said how he is hiring someone right now and he really wants to hire a female because they work harder and they want the job more so not only did he say that but also he's a father of two daughters mm. and has four sisters. And I looked at him and I said, even more of a reason why exactly. you should be standing up and stopping this kind of talk because you have these women to protect and what a privilege it is that he's in a position to do that. Right. And I think that's great. You're you're asking him to step up and protect and, mm-hmm. you know, treat people correctly. I'll be honest. I think it's so weird when guys use that as a excuse or a way to get out of things like I have a daughter like okay that makes you look like more more of an idiot because of you talking like that and I, I said to him it. what if that was your daughter mm-hmm. if someone was talking about her or looking at her mm-hmm, that way mm-hmm. would you ever want to think about that another man and your own child or your own sister or right. your own wife right right I I totally agree I just think it's so strange that people 
bring that up because to me, it's like if women don't have rights, you know, we're, we're all human beings here. Like, why does it, why do you have to have a relationship with a man to be considered anyone? Yeah. Um, you know, why does someone have to have a wife or a daughter to understand that this is a horrible crime? It's just a horrible crime anyways. Yeah. You know, it's just so strange. So I think, I think it was really good how you went into it knowing what you knew and, and feeling what you felt. And in the position that we're in, you know, you wanted to probably wring his neck, but oh. he did it well. And, you know, he tried to minimize it. He did apologize. He did. But with that came the excuses right, and, right. and trying to kind of wiggle his way out of it. Mm-hmm. But I just kept sticking to the facts of what I know that it being unacceptable and inappropriate. And even though they've done it for years, it stops now. This is it. So good. And, you know, we don't know if that conversation will impact anything moving forward. Yeah. But I think we still have to be willing to do it, to go there, to find our voice and to use it in those situations. This is how we're seeing culture change. And we have to keep this forward momentum going. So thinking about a situation like that arising in a family gathering with people Mm. that, you know, and you'll see again how much harder, you know, it can be to call someone. To the table for that. I mean, I think we have to walk into these holiday gatherings in a similar way that you did. You know, don't go into it thinking you're walking into a fight. Walk in with your hands open. You know, you have to stay soft to the possibilities that maybe someone would surprise you. I think it's important to expect people to operate the way that they always have. One holiday tip that helps me survive is just lowering expectations hoping for the best, but expecting the worst and expecting people to operate the way they always have. So if Aunt Georgia always shows up drunk and treats people like crap, she's probably going to do it again this year. Yeah. You know, or if if Uncle Joe is always going to like talk racist talk, he's probably going to do it again. So expecting people to act the way they always have, but hoping for the best. And I think when you walk into those situations, you stay soft. You know, you keep your hands open, your heart open to possibilities that could change. Don't fight them on these awful comments that they make, but just call them to the table asking questions. I think that's a really good thing to do when, you know, let's say your racist uncle goes off about Black Lives Matter or how whatever, something something super racist. Instead of just going off on him about that, why don't you ask him a question about how his black friends feel about that? You know, mm. or if they're commenting on, you know, politics or something or make America great again, you know, ask questions about what was America like for you before this presidency or why did you choose to vote the way that you did instead of just going in with your own opinions and fighting? Like, let's ask more questions and you can get to know your family members better and know their hearts behind things. And maybe their heart behind things is different than their words. When I think sometimes, too, when you're not attacking and you're going in with questions just to understand where they're coming from better, that sometimes you help them have a revelation that, oh, maybe I don't feel that way like I thought I did. Or, wow, that that thinking really is messed up. And you're helping them walk out maybe with a different outlook on things that you didn't have to force upon them. They kind of did it on their own with your help. Right. I, I completely agree with that. I think if you can get to someone's heart, it's easier to move them from where they are, from the language that they're just completely copying something that they read or heard. 
into seeing maybe that they have a flaw in their logic or introducing them to a different idea. And it doesn't mean that you're putting your idea on them. You're just helping them kind of process to get to another place. And I really think a lot of that begins with relationship, you know, asking your family or friends about the people that they're talking about. You know, it, it disarms hate. It disarms people who are, are just speaking off the cuff. And so it helps them to see, oh, well, what would my black friends or my LGBT friends or, you know, my Republican or my Democrat friends or whatever the issue might be? Most importantly, my survivor friends, you know, people in my life who have been sexually assaulted. What would they think about this? How would they feel about the way that I'm speaking. So it's it's more about having open hands rather than fists going into these days. But also when it comes to if you feel attacked, if you're feeling triggered by the conversations at hand, just like Mary said earlier, turn off your social media, turn off the news. And sometimes you have to turn off that family event. You've got to walk away and you have to protect yourself. So if you're able to be open handed, and walking into those things and asking hard questions and getting people to talk deeper, great. But if you physically and emotionally cannot handle that situation, you've got to walk away. And the best part is you don't have to explain it to anybody. Whether I'm not showing up to Aunt Susie's Christmas Eve gathering or I'm not going to this tradition we do every year, you are allowed to take responsibility for now and just say, this is what my Christmas is going to look like or New Year's or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you get to make that decision and you don't owe an answer to anybody. Very good. Making new traditions can Mm -hmm. be so healthy for us as survivors. You know, I think a lot of us walk through the same thing year after year after year because it's what we've always done. It's what we've always known. It's what people expect of us. And you know, like Mary and I, we can sometimes be people pleasers. And so we do things for other people. Meanwhile, we're like bleeding in the corner. <laughs> like Suffocating. Yeah, like we're adults now and we're not being abused. We're out of that. We've gone through the worst of it. And so now we can choose uh, to be survivors. And in the midst of that, we have developed self-care skills. And so Here we are at this moment in history that we've never seen before. Survivors finding their voices and abusers being put where they should be. We have self-care skills to get us through this so that we can keep fighting. And it doesn't just mean fighting for the movement. Sometimes it means fighting for yourself, fighting for your own life, fighting for your story. Your story matters. And we need you to stay in the game. So we can all get through these holidays together and... I'm so thankful for all of you who are listening. You know, we're not alone. And that's so clear now more than it ever has been before. We have to keep standing together. The more we stand together, the more we raise our voices together, the stronger we're going to become. And the next generation will not have to deal with all of the garbage that we have. And for those of you who are just joining us now and for the first time realizing this garbage even exists in our world, let me just say, Will you please stop providing a safety net around abusers? Stop putting forgiveness of abusers' sin on a pedestal over caring for victims like us. Stop putting responsibility on victims to find their justice, to find their freedom. And will you please speak up for us? Stop shaming men and women who are bravely stepping forward to tell their truth. Um, It takes a lot of courage to take your story to the media and to talk about someone who is in so much power. And that's why we stay silent. So for those of you who are just coming along, 
and joining this circus, I'm just asking you to stop putting molesters and womanizers in public office and to stand alongside us. This is our moment. Survivors of abuse are coming together. We're finally finding the courage we have never had for generations and we're, we're drawing a line in the sand now and saying that this isn't going to keep continuing. And we need you guys, those who are just now learning about this stuff, to join us in this fight. And survivors, just remember that your courage matters. Your story is needed. We can't back down from people who prefer to harbor and excuse abusers anymore. This is our moment. Our voices are becoming one voice and it's ringing loud and clear and, and saying no more. And so... I'm so grateful that you're here, that we're all listening to each other, that we're believing each other. Mary and I stand with you, courageous men and women who have survived the worst things that life can bring. But the reckoning is happening now and we're going to keep speaking out. We're so honored to be in this battle with you together. If something resonated with you, write a review, even share it with someone else you know who could really benefit from this. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. And you can find us online at IamOneVoice.org.